finishing up the book of Second uh, Peter today. Uh, tomorrow we will continue uh, our, with our final broadcast that will go on the Veracity Chapel page just to kind of finish out the week. Uh, and we are I'm going to come back to the conversation of the varying views uh, of Millennial Kingdom and, and how that all kind of plays out and uh, I mean, I want to try to keep it as simple as I can. So any didactic type listener, I say didactic, a person that's a teacher, a uh, pastor, a scholar might go, well, you're leaving out or you're not addressing her because I'm trying to keep it simple. And uh, uh, my audience, most of the time uh, in uh, in this broadcast is is ordinary folk just trying to learn how to walk with Jesus and uh, trying to understand the Word of God better. And so my 
goal is not to bury them uh, in uh, all kinds of extraneous things. Uh, now, for those of you that are uh, pastors and scholars and theologians that want to dig deep, uh, talk to me and we'll do something. We'll, we'll have a few friends on and maybe do a different broadcast at different time and put together something to kind of do a deeper dive. But just trying to expose you to uh, the regular listening audience to some of the varying views of things like Millennial Kingdom and, and how that has an impact and how that plays out on things like um, rapture views and things of that nature. Uh, so, because I've tended to teach from my view, which has typically been a premillennial, pre-tribulational, rapturist view. Uh, that is what I've been most comfortable with in terms of if I have to land somewhere, that's been where it has been. But uh, there are others uh, who are solid who do not share the same view. And I just I want to make sure we understand that and that we can embrace that. In Christian community. Now, let's get over, and the reason I'm talking about that is because the Apostle Peter, uh, in uh, in the conclusion of this book, uh, deals with the day of the Lord, and he deals with the end times. He deals with the scoffers. He deals with why does God delay, because God is kind, and because God is patient, because God is merciful, not wanting that any should perish, but that all might repent. And so that is why we uh, are going to look tomorrow at, at some of these differing views, uh, just to kind of close out uh, the, the chapter here uh, on uh, the Veracity uh, broadcast. It'll be at both places. Those of you that have been listening and have made the uh, transition over to uh, the Daily Discipleship Podcast Facebook page or YouTube page. Uh, this this is where we'll be, we will be. If you have not done that yet, find those pages and that channel, like, follow, subscribe, and you will get the notifications when we are on there. One other thing I just will put up real fast um, is, is this little piece uh, that if you want to financially and prayerfully, I, I need your prayers. Uh, you know, I, I've stepped into some big things, and uh, a few days ago, actually end of last week, I thought, what have I done? I had a very comfortable uh, life, at, at just living in the Belmont moral area, and, you know, I, I could have become the parson uh, and stayed here until I died and, and all that type of thing and very comfortable. I, I don't think anybody here was, at least most people were not going, when's he going to leave? When's he going to get out of here and get out of our hair finally? I don't think that that was it at all, just the call of God. Uh, but if if you want to uh, be a part, uh, this is a way, or send me a message and say, Jim, I want to be a part of your concentric uh, that's going to be my moniker, Concentric. Uh, yes, I'm the president of New England Bible College, but that serves the broader kingdom expansion and movement stuff that, that is part of what I do at Concentric. So um, check out Concentric Global, and you can you can message me, uh, message me directly, Jim Culbertson, uh, uh, either via text or via uh, Facebook Messenger, or give me a call or email uh, Jim at uh, 
concentricglobal.org, Jim at concentricglobal.org, and say, hey, I want to be a part of that team. Uh, or just go to the link that you see there in front of you, and uh, you know whether you want to give a one-time gift uh, or if you want to become a regular partner, um, it's critical for things that I need to get to this year, uh, and you'll be hearing more uh, about this or reading more about it perhaps uh, as uh, as times unfold. But there it is. There there is that link. I'd be remiss to not mention that uh, because it, it requires uh, it requires funding to do these things. So appreciate your support, your help in those ways. As always, support your local church first. In any other ministries, including mine, uh, second, and uh, uh, and follow the Lord's leading in your giving as well. So, uh, anyway, let's get into the text today. Here it is. We looked at this text, and you can see the header. Uh, it says the coming, uh, the day of the Lord will come. We've we've really talked about that a lot. Uh, we really worked our way through that extensively yesterday. Um, and some people will scoff, and some people, as it says uh, in verse 4, they will say, where is this coming? He promised ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. You know, and they're just saying, this is this is a bunch of uh, poppycock. That's what some people would say about this. It's just not real. It's not going to happen. You Christians and your views and... Uh, and, and there are Christians, unfortunately, that have kind of adopted the same type of thinking, like, well, you know, things are on unfo- and, and this, frankly, this is where some of the other millennial views uh, become even more relevant, because if we're living in the midst of these things right now, and if the type of tribulation delineated in um, Revelation is, is more metaphorical, as some would say, uh, then, then really, Jesus can come anytime. We're not looking for the establishment of a temple in Israel. We're not looking for, um, we're not looking for the gospel to go all all around the world. The, the view would be that it really has in many ways. Not maybe not to every every single little nook and cranny, but uh, those that hold a different view than the pre-tribulational, pre-millennial view uh, have some room to say we need to be ready. I would say, as Jesus said, and as Peter says, we need to be ready. We need not be scoffers. Uh, The things revealed in the scriptures about the coming of the Lord are going to happen. What I can tell you that we need to do today is that we need to be ready. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to be loving Christ. The, The whole goal of my life is to help others really love Jesus. Uh, and I, I, I tell myself that, you know, I can help people be academically successful as a president or help an institution uh, regain a, a, a foothold and, and uh, regain a, a, an image of, uh, you know, these they really are equipping people for, uh, for ministry here in the state of Maine and beyond. I can do all that. But if I don't help people love Jesus, I have failed. And my life's cause to help you love Jesus. And my prayer would be that we would help each other love Jesus. Two commands, love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all the prophets, all that God is looking for hangs on those two things. 
So that's the goal, to help you love God and to love other people. So verse 9 said this, God is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Friends, for me, verse 9 has been a prayer verse. I have used that in my prayer saying, Father, you tell us that you're not wanting. Now, there's a difference between God's desire and God's determinative will. In a determinative will, desire is this is what I would like to see happen. Uh, and that's this verse. What God would like to see happen is no one perish. Determinative will is where God says, absolutely, this. I'm going to make this happen. That's God's determinative will. He determines something X, Y, Z will happen. Verse 9 is not one of those verses. Uh, it, it really speaks to the desire of God that people should come to repentance. He has provided the pathway through Jesus. He has provided the instructions about repentance and faith uh, made clear in the New Testament. Uh, he's given us all that we need, but we need to walk through those doors. Now, we get down here into some of these, not those doors, through that door. Let's make it clear. There's one door, there's one gate. Not those, but that door. Getting down a little bit later, verse 10 says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, you don't know when a thief might break into your house. You might not be home when a thief comes. You might be home when a thief comes. Um, it says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed, destroyed by fire. The earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Notice, uh, Peter does not get into things like the rapture at all. Uh, Peter goes right to the day of the Lord. He goes to the heavens disappearing with a roar, the elements being destroyed by fire, the earth and everything in it being laid bare. Uh, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed this way, what kind of people ought you to be is the question. Now, again, this is where some with some of the other uh, eschatological end times views We'll just go. It's like we live life on earth, the coming of the Lord, the day of the Lord happens. Uh, everything is burned up. Everything is melted away. A new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem uh, are created. Uh, and, and that is eternity. That is where some will go. And you can see why they go here in places like the writings of Peter. The fact is, however it works, all of the views will take the position that this earth will be destroyed, that uh, the heavens will disappear, that things will be melted, will be burned up, and brand new will be created. And you say, well, that will take a long time. No, God will speak one into destruction, and God will speak another into existence. Boom, and we will be there living in eternity. Now, there could be some question destroyed by fire like uh, Lahaina. Lahaina is still there, but everything is destroyed. Will those who live on in eternity in the fire uh, live in a Lahaina type of situation or in a place where the fire just always continues to smolder and to burn and there, nothing can ever be rebuilt? And, uh, 
you know, there, there are thoughts about what hell will really be like, and there is some insight into Scripture. Uh, but the, the, the burning up and the destruction of all things as we know it is a part of it, whether you're looking at it from Peter's view or if you go into the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and even John will talk some, well, and John wrote Revelation. He, he will talk some about this as well. So it comes to the question, since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? It tells us you ought to live holy and godly lives. Holiness is becoming like Christ. Godliness is, is our moral character. So we become holy. And, and whole is, holy, we think, that's one of those nasty church words that people don't like to hear. We don't want to be holy. It has more to do with just morality. It has to do with a sense of wholeness. Uh, wholeness in, in our peace, internal peace, uh, uh, an internal sense of, of well-being because living life in the, uh, our participation in the divine nature that we looked at before in, uh, at the beginning of this book in Second Peter chapter 1 uh, has that aspect to it that we have a wholeness, a, a, a wellness about it. That is part of holiness. There are people who would think, well, holiness is miserableness. No, it's not miserableness. Holiness is something far, far better. Yes, there is the moral aspect to the holiness, but it really, look, when we do the immoral things, eventually they, they, they have their impact on us. They have their impact on relationships. They have their uh, impact on income. They have their they have impact when we do the unholy things. Holiness, holy practices will 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 be good for our own soul, and practices of holiness will also be good for other relationships as well. Now that doesn't mean everybody's going to accept you. It does. You may, in fact, Christians will have enemies. Jesus had enemies. Uh, uh, Peter would end up dying on a cross, naked, upside down. The Apostle John uh, boiled in oil, then uh, left uh, on the island of Patmos. Now, the boiling in oil, there are some that say that, some that say no. But even just being banished to the island of Patmos all by yourself, uh, he was certainly persecuted. Paul was beheaded. James was beheaded. Uh, John the Baptist was beheaded. Uh, and various ones died in different types of ways. So, when I talk about this wholeness, it doesn't mean everybody's going to like you, but but if you're living in the goodness that Peter earlier told us to live in toward people uh, and trying to live in a holy, in a holistic way, uh, you're more likely to live in better relationships with the people who matter to you, at least. Verse 12 said this, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction. We've already we've already read this. Uh, in fact, it's in verse ten and repeated again in verse twelve. It says that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements uh, will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So, I mean, things I've already delineated here. It is in the text. You get to read it. You get to see it. Uh, this is what we are looking forward to one day, and we hold out hope for that. So that that's kind of the conclusion of the teaching part. Uh, 
about eschatology, which is end times. And now, Peter, these are the last recorded words of Peter. Now, there could be other writings that did not make their way into the canon of Scripture. So in terms of the canon of Scripture, these are the last words that the Apostle Peter will speak and will write and says, So, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Uh, this is uh, Peter uh, really paying tribute to the Apostle Paul. Now, there were at times uh, that the two seemed to be at odds, but by the end of their life, both of them had... had uh, kind of reconciled these things, and, and here we see Peter giving uh, his stamp of approval to the ministry of Paul the Apostle by calling him our dear brother, writing, you, writing to you with the wisdom that God gave him. And in verse 16, it says something further. He says he writes the same thing in, in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters, there's something very significant coming up here. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, some of the things that Peter wrote were hard to understand. It says, which ignorant and unstable people will distort uh, as they do the other scriptures. Now, this, if you picked up on that, Peter is putting the writings of Paul in this phrase, in this sentence, in this verse, uh, on the same level as scripture. And in fact, the church fathers, would, would they themselves go ahead when they were trying to determine what books, I mean, the, the Jewish people had determined what their 39 books would be. And uh, and then later on, the uh, church fathers would determine what the entire canon of Scripture would be. But Peter is putting Paul's writings on the level of the Scriptures. And God will, will ratify that uh, through church history. Uh, as Paul's letters are included as a part of what we now have as the Bible. Now, he does say, ignorant people, unstable people, will distort these things to their own destruction. Uh, they will twist Scripture to mean something that it doesn't mean. We see that today. Well, it doesn't really mean that, or only meant it for that time. It only applied to then. I think there are some places in the scripture that we're talking to specific people in a specific time, in a specific culture. But when you see things repeated in early in the Old Testament, partway through the Old Testament, surfaced again in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and perhaps surfaced again in, in the epistles, that tells you there's a timelessness to, to that particular issue. For instance, uh, like... Uh, the LGBTQ community and what they want to do with scripture. No, it, it's if it were just one place where Paul said one thing at one time, maybe there's some wiggle room. But the fact that it said in various places, the old Testament uh, and that it is addressed in various places, the new Testament gives a sense of timelessness that it didn't appeal to just a time and just to a culture and just to an ethnic group or something or are people in a place and a time, but it, it kind of transcends time. It's for all people. 
Uh, and, and so people do want to twist things and say, well, that only meant it for that time, or, you know, we're, we're more enlightened now. And, and those are things that you will hear. Concluding this, he says this. He says, therefore, dear friends, since you already know all this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Be on your guard. I mean, lawless men are going to want to tell you things, and we see that in culture today. The progressive Christian movement uh, is, is air by lawless men. They might sound good. They might, they might sing the same songs that we sing. They might... Uh, uh, you know, they, they, they might seem to be all loving and accepting and wonderful, but they reject God's truth. And so when you see this, when you see people rejecting God's truth, um, you need to be be aware that these, it's error, and these are lawless people not living according to the law of God, and you need to avoid that. The progressive Christian movement is one of those. Progressive Christian movement basically uh says that you know some things were written for a particular time and place and people and not no longer apply to us. We get we need to be saved by Jesus. We get that. Jesus loves us. We get that. We'll we'll sing all the what regular worship songs. We'll we'll live with what looks like robust uh, rich love for one another, but they do it while sacrificing God's standards. Friends, that is error and we need to be aware of that. What are we to do? He concludes in the very last verse just exactly what it is that we are to do. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're to do. We're to keep on growing. How do we grow? We grow by reading the Word of God. How do we grow? Listening to teaching, listening to podcasts, listening to being involved in church, reading books, uh, having a rich and robust worship life, learning the spiritual disciplines. Those are ways that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those are things you can do, practical things you can do. You grow by serving the Lord. I think it's verse 11, Romans 12, 11. Keep your spiritual fervor by serving the Lord. Do things for the Lord, and, and it will help you grow in your spiritual fervor. That's uh, Romans 12, 11, and that's my own particular interpretation of that verse uh, how I see it uh, having implication and application. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the idea of growing in grace, grow in his grace not only for you, but grow in the demonstration of his grace for other people. Be gracious toward others. He concludes with these words, and, and friends, this needs to be the pursuit of our life to him, to Christ, to God alone be the glory both now and forever. Amen. That's what we're called to live for, not for our own glory, not only for our own pleasure, in fact, not for our own pleasure, but for his pleasure. When we learn to live in the enjoyment of God, there can be a newfound wonder uh, beaming off of our lives as we live in the enjoyment of God uh, and with the pleasure of God and to the glory of God. So Paul's given us instructions. My word to you, concluding this book, keep growing, keep pursuing, be aware of error, and keep pursuing Christ. Keep studying the word of God. Uh, keep serving the Lord. Keep getting to know him better. Continue to grow in his grace. Continue to grow in his knowledge. And these things, as Peter said in chapter one, will keep you from being unfruitful 
and unproductive in living your Christian life. Well, friends, that's the end of Second Peter. It has been good to go through this together with you. We will get into another book next week. Uh, we will strictly next week only, and Don did put the link here uh, in the comments. We will be on the Veracity, uh, not the Veracity, we will be on the Daily Discipleship Podcast Facebook page and YouTube channel, and uh, that's where you'll find us. I hope you have a great day, and uh, I will see you again tomorrow. Have a good day, everyone.